Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, this is Martha Reddick, your host. While my goal with Chronicles of Nannia is usually to create a podcast that you could listen to with your nanny kids around, this particular episode is not appropriate for kids. In this episode, we discuss the very important but heavy topic of child abuse and strategies to help keep the kids we love safe. So I wanted to also give a trigger warning for anyone who may simply want to skip this episode due to that subject matter. Thank you all so much for listening, and here's the episode. Welcome to the Chronicles of Nannia, a nanny resource podcast made for nannies by me, a nanny. I am your host, Martha Reddick, and this week we are going to be talking about keeping kids safe um, in, a, in a more specific way. Um, and for that, I have my friend from college, actually, which is so nice that we reconnected because we live in different cities, uh, Emma Silver Alford. Hi, Emma. Hi, how are you? I'm doing really well. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm so excited to be here today. I'm so excited to talk with you. Yes, I'm excited as well. Uh, Before we get super into keeping kids safe, uh, Mm -hmm. I would love to hear a little bit about your background and your journey to nannying and your education that you're doing right now. Sure, no problem. So, um, a little bit about me. Um, obviously, as Martha said, uh, uh, we met in college. So I got my bachelor's at the University of Tennessee in Knoxville. Go Vols. Go Vols. Um, <laughs> go Vols. Um, <laughs> I have my bachelor's in social work. Um, and then I, after I graduated in 2014, I took a little bit of time off from academics. Um, and I found my way into nannying through a love of all things kiddom. I love children. I love spending time with them. I think they're great little tiny humans. And um, I've been a camp counselor. Um, I have been a, uh, I was a full-time nanny for two years for the same family that I'm still with now. I work work with them part-time. Um, so I'm still part-time nanny. And I am also a full-time graduate student getting my master's in social work at the University of Maryland in Baltimore. Um, I'm awesome. getting... Um, I'm focusing on clinical behavioral health um, in my program. So all sorts of good things. Um, That's a very brief overview about me. Um, Yeah. No, that was perfect. Um, Okay, great. What is, for clinical behavioral health, what does that mean 
Sure. In practice, just curious. Okay. Yes. So, in more you know normal people terminology, um, <laughs> since that's tired, the, there's a lot of like social workers like to use a lot of like fancy words and acronyms to describe things. So, basically, clinical um, behavioral health. Um, I am doing more of a therapeutic type setting. Um, so a lot right. of therapists actually are going to be licensed clinical social workers, which will be my end goal. So when I graduate, um, I will take a licensing exam and become a licensed graduate social worker. I can provide therapy at that point under supervision um, from someone else. And then mm-hmm. um, I can go on and get my clinical license. And then I can provide therapy as an independent practitioner. Um, but sort of I'm just specializing in um, uh, mental health and behavioral health needs. So um, right. learning about different therapy techniques is sort of what I'm doing more like one-on-one centered um, service approach rather than um, like larger skills because social workers can also work with communities and organizations. So I'm doing more of the right individual side. Okay. That clears it up. Thank you so much. Awesome. No problem. Wonderful. So Emma, in her educational background, knows about, in in social work, you all talk about how to report abuse and things like that. Is that correct? Yes, that is absolutely correct. So um, in social work, the idea is to keep kids safe in every facet that you might work with them. So even though I'm not necessarily a child welfare welfare worker, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, I do work with kids as a, as a therapist right now. And so it is part of my job and most other social workers jobs to, um, report abuse and neglect when we, um, suspect it or when we see it. Wonderful. And as a nanny, I would think that it would be part of our job as well, though, not like in a contract or anything. Yes. Um, um, it definitely depends. Um, I mean, like, I think it's definitely the, a, a caregiver is, is absolutely responsible for keeping, you know, children safe. And as any, that's what we're doing. Um, in terms of other, like more official ways of talking about it, we can segue into that a little bit later yeah. if you want. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wonderful. Yes. Well, as you are nannying, if you see signs of abuse or neglect, mm-hmm. uh, first of all, what are some of those signs that a nanny can look out for besides just a gut feeling? Sure. Um, so first of all, your gut feeling is always great. Don't ever think that your gut is wrong. Keep that in mind um, when you're thinking that. Um, I know it's um, it's never an easy thing when you th- suspect or see things that you might be thinking are abuse or neglect. So a couple, I'll run down a short list of some different signs of uh, physical abuse and some different signs of sexual abuse Mm. um, that nannies, since we work so closely with kids, can easily identify. And then I'll go into a little bit, um, a couple signs of signs of some more emotional maltreatment, which is a little bit more difficult to see. But also, since we work with kids so closely, we can definitely be part of helping um, kids with that sort of problems or issues that they're dealing with. So, um, so briefly, some signs of physical abuse. Um, if a child has unexplained injuries, such as like a burn, a bite, any bruises, broken bones or black eyes that, I mean, kids are active of course, and they are going to be out playing on the playground. So a normal scrape, um, a broken bone, even, you know, if they fall off a jungle gym, those are things that we know that happens as, as caregivers to children. Kids are busy and things like that. But if there's anything that doesn't have an, a really good explanation, 
like if they have a black guy and they say I walked into a door, right. um, that's not necessary. That's not really congruent. Mm-hmm. So we kind of have to be more aware of that. I'm not saying that all injuries are signs of abuse, um, but it's right. definitely um, things to to keep an eye on if you see it consistently. Um, also, if a child has fading bruises or other marks, um, such as like a laceration or it looks like they've been grabbed really hard or they've been hit with something that are fate, like if they are fading, but they've been like absent from school or you haven't seen them in a while, but they're fading. And then they also have new ones. Mm. Um, that can also be sort of an, an, an indicator, um, of physical abuse. Um, also, if a child seems obvious, this is a bit more obvious, but if a child mm-hmm. seems frightened of their parents or a caregiver or some or anyone that they spend a lot of time with and they protest a lot or cry when it's time to go home or when they have to see their parent, um, again, all of these things are signs, but we need to keep in mind that we have to trust our gut. And you know the people that you work for better than um better than most. So keep that in mind when you're looking at this sort of thing. Um, also if they sort of, if a child shrinks at your touch, like they don't want to be touched by you, um, they seem to wince, you know, have areas that are painful, um, seemingly obvious, but if a child tells you that they've got injured by a parent or another adult, believe them. (laughs) Um, we try, we, we, sometimes in our society, kids, we are not, as quick to believe children as we should be because they aren't generally telling lies. Um, right. You know? Right. So if, if a child tells you that it's definitely something to be on, on high alert and also, um, yeah. And if, um, and I feel like just val like even if you haven't seen any other signs, but a child tells you that yes, validating absolutely. it in that it, moment is so important, even if it's exactly. not true. And if you, and even if you don't see a physical mark on a child, um, oftentimes abusers or people who are abusive, um, towards children or any other, um, individual can be adept at leaving, at injuring someone without necessarily leaving a mark. Mm. Um, so be in tune with some of the other, not necessarily like physical, like if they don't have bruises, but they tell you, um, that they've been injured or someone has hurt them. Right. Um, just sort of really making sure to validate what's going on with them and what they're saying. So those are just a few quick um, signs of physical abuse. And when it comes to some other things such as sexual abuse, mm-hmm. um, there are some physical as well as emotional signs that you can look out for. Um, for example, um, so if a child has difficulty walking or sitting like they mm. seem uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, if a child refuses to change their clothes, like if they're going, like if they're going to, I don't know, if you say you're taking your um, nanny kids swimming mm-hmm. and they don't want to change um, or they don't want to participate in the activity mm-hmm. that like, and, and they previously have wanted to. Right. Right. This is all to be, to be said, you know, your your nanny kids, if this, these are changes that will happen. Sometimes they can happen gradually, but if often, if a change happens, immediately and you're like wow you wanted to go swimming last week and you were so excited about it but now you don't want to change to go to the pool Mm -hmm. um that's something to keep an eye on um if they are wetting the bed a lot and that's not normal like it's not it's not a normal occurrence for them or not age appropriate necessarily right um having nightmares sudden changes in appetite um 
if they show sort of a unusual or overly sophisticated for their age knowledge of sexuality and sexual mm. behavior and knowledge, um, you know, kids learn things and pick up things from their parents and things at school. But if an eight-year-old is talking about something that you sincerely feel is not appropriate that an eight-year-old would know, um, yes. or a four-year-old or a three-year-old, um, you know, there's age-appropriate levels of understanding about sex, um, and then there's not so appropriate. So if you if you're curious or concerned that they somehow have picked up this knowledge all of a sudden, that might be an indication. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, for sure. Obviously, if a, you know, this is not as likely, but it's, it's also more extreme. But if a child that you know becomes pregnant under the age of 14 or even under the age of 18, mm-hmm. um, you know, when they get older to about 16 in high school, that's, it's question, it's hard to determine that. But really under the age of 14, if you know a child who becomes pregnant or contracts an STD, um, of some type, that's definitely a major red flag. Um, if they're wanting to run away, that can be a flag. Mm-hmm. They don't want to be at home anymore. I don't want to do participate in my activities. I just want to run away. Um, again, if they report it, um, if they tell you about it again, believe, believe them. them right? This is not believe them. Um, this is something, um, kids need to know that they're being heard and advocated for. So if they report something to you, um, just be there to support them. Um, Or if they are really, um, and last but certainly not least, is just one other sign, is if they attach really quickly to strangers or new adults in their environment. Oh. Um, So if they're, I mean, some every kid's really different. Um, Mm -hmm. Some kids are really open with strangers and they want to be their best friend and they... Um, you know, want to be like, oh, come over and have a plate at my house. But if they, especially with adults, but if they're like, if if a child is um, unusually overly friendly and not super cautious around other adults, um, that can be an indication that there might be something else going on. But hmm. again, it's, and if you have any questions about that, feel free to, I can follow up with that because there's yeah, all sorts yeah. of research I mean, on attachment and all sorts I'm of other things. about that. Sure. Um, so, um, one of the most researched, uh, social science theories in, in social work is called attachment theory. And I'll give you sort of a brief rundown. So there's all different types of attachments and an attachment is when a, is what a child forms with their caregiver. Okay. Um, so, and that is, it's different than a bond. It's different than a relationship. This is, when they feel is they know that their needs are going to be met, they feel safe. Um, they, they can have secure attachments. They, there's all different types of attachments, and I could do a whole other thing on attachment theory. Yeah, um, we <laughs> if I, you wanted to, I, I will talk very, to you about I'm that very, after this. Yes, I'm very. I love attachment theory. is incredibly interesting, especially working with kids and being their caregivers. I'm very interested um, in talking about it later. But um, sort of a one sign of an insecure or um, attachment, which, or, um, insecure or avoidant, um, Mm -hmm. is to be sort of overly friendly and overly open to adults, meaning they don't have any secure attachments like to their parents or to another caregiver or someone. So they are seeking that wherever they can get it. Okay. That makes sense. So they're looking for someone to, to keep them safe, to care for them. And if they're, and, and that can be because they have, um, because of an abusive situation, it can be because they don't necessarily have 
a secure attachment with their parents. It can be for a variety of reasons, but it's just one thing to to keep a lookout for. But we can talk more about attachment theory at a later date. <laughs> yeah, that sounds great. Um, but okay. that is, that's fascinating. Okay, yeah, it's it's honestly really great. And so um, also, um, last thing, I know these are really heavy things to talk about and um, it's not always easy to want to look out for these signs because we want to think kids are happy and loving and all 99% of the time they are yes. um, and they will remain happy and loving. Um, kids are incredibly resilient, mm-hmm. but they also need advocates. So um, before, I just wanted to throw that in there before I yeah. transition into talking about more signs of all these things <laughs> that could possibly be wrong. Um, yeah. So yeah, cause it's definitely not an easy topic, but um, no, for it's, sure. It's, but- it's important. It so, is a very important one. Um, and if you okay. are and, noticing this, these signs um, and as Emma's talking, like things are clicking in your head, don't panic mm-hmm. because yes. we're going to talk don't about panic. things that you can do about it and um, yes. all that good stuff. Yeah, exactly. Because I know that there's a lot of information right now and it doesn't Sometimes it can feel really overwhelming if you see the things and you don't know what to do, but I promise that I will That's go. That's why we're doing this episode. What to do. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So um, some signs of emotional maltreatment. And emotional abuse is actually one of the most difficult types of abuses to um, to prove, unfortunately, mm-hmm. um, and also to, to detect um, because kids are going through so many different changes that it's really hard to determine. So these... Um, you know, I'll, I'll go through a couple of these, but again, just, you know, don't panic. Um, <laughs> you know, if, if you, if you feel like one of your nanny kids is exhibiting some of these signs, like try not to, you know, to immediately panic. Um, you know, there are definitely, um, ways of looking at emotional maltreatment or abuse. Um, it's hard to define, but there are some clear indicators, which I'll go ahead and, um, yeah, share. So, if they show extremes in behavior that have not been necessarily there before, such as they are like overly compliant, like they're overly willing to do their rules or they're really demanding or extremely passive or really aggressive, mm-hmm. um, sort of these extremes um, that can be signs of an emotional um, abusive situation because they've either had someone be like that towards them or mm-hmm. they are not able to regulate their emotions very well. Mm-hmm. Um, if they are sort of a, like, um, I'm trying to think of how to say this. If they are in a pro is, is either sort of, um, inappropriately adult-like or inappropriately ch- infantile for their age. Um, so meaning like if they are parenting other children a lot mm-hmm. or being, the, and I mean, kids go through stages and some children are more parental than others. And that has everything to do with personality and other things, but Again, if this is sort of a, a change that you're seeing for them, so I, I want to indicate the key word here is like if it's this is a change or something that you've noticed that has sort of started one way and progressed to be more severe over time. Right. Um, so just keep all of these things in mind and don't immediately jump to abuse, but definitely keep it in the back of your head just as to, to survey it because a lot of times what will happen is it will just get ignored and then you'll like, you think about it later and then you'll be like, Oh wow, that did happen. You know, six months ago, I did notice that. So, right. Right. Um, yeah. So if they're, um, have a physical or emotional development delay, sometimes that has, mm-hmm. is developing. Um, if they've attempted suicide, 
that can be an indicator. Um, um, and so one other sign of emotional maltreatment or abuse can be if they were, if the child reports a lack of attachment to the parent or caregiver, um, and lack of attachment sounds really vague, but that basically just means they don't feel connected to them. They are telling you that mom's mom, dad, you know, aunt, uncle, whoever is caring for them, that is their primary caregiver, um, is, you know, not there for them. They don't care about me. They don't love me. Um, right. Sort of things like that. Like, you know, they don't ever, you know, care about what I need. Of course, as children age and adolescence is a crazy time. So things might, mm. like, might come out like that. Um, but just to, if they're reporting that, like, I don't feel connected to my caregiver. I don't feel connected to my parent at all. They, right. I don't, you know, um, so that can be yeah. one sign for sure. Um, Okay, so those are just a few of the signs of, so we've gone over the physical, we've gone over sexual, we've gone over um, emotional abuse, and now I will talk about the most common type of abuse, which is actually neglect. Okay, Um, great. That is the most common type of abuse, and it's the most commonly reported. Um, And it's also really easy to spot once you pay attention to it. Um, It's one of those things that... It, it often gets ignored because we don't want to get involved, overly involved in people's business sometimes in our society. That's mm-hmm. my that's my opinion. Um, but right. uh, it can be it's e- once you sort of hear these things, I bet sometimes uh, some of these things will will click in. So if a child um, is frequently absent from school for no apparent reason, they're just right. not going. Um, if a child is stealing food or money. Mm-hmm. Um, the child is lacking, it lacks, they're lacking needed medical or dental care mm-hmm. or, you know, glasses or things that like is uh, clearly needed, um, but they're not getting it. So if a child has been sick for, you know, weeks and weeks and weeks and probably, you know, needs to go to the doctor and it's a clear, you know, you are pretty certain the kid needs to go to the doctor, but they're just not going, right. um, that is considered neglect. Um, if the child or um, adolescent is consistently dirty um, or has severe body odor or if they have something like lice and it's not been taken care of or rashes or things like that, um, that, you know, would ordinarily to a parent or a caregiver stand out and be like, okay, we should take care of this. Um, if that's not being taken care of, that is considered to be neglect. Mm. Um, if they don't have sufficient clothing for the weather. Um, oh, like yes. if it's, if it's, and, and of course, you know, everybody's economic, uh, you know, socioeconomic status is different. So, you know, parents, but if, if the parent is doing their best and trying, um, but if a kid's showing up to, you know, if you pick them up from school, uh, if you're an after school nanny, um, mm-hmm. or if they're being sent to school and you notice that they don't have any winter coats and it's, you know, below zero outside, um, that problem. is yeah. definitely, red that's flag. a problem. <laughs> yes, definitely a red flag. Um, and if they state that there's, um, if the child says there's no one at home to, to provide care for them, if they're left home alone often, okay. um, which I know in our situation would be, um, you know, a, a bit different, but you know, if you are there, um, after school, but they said, oh, well, my mom's been gone for, you know, three days and I've had to make myself lunch and, you know, get myself to the bus. And that's, that's definitely a red flag. Yeah. Um, but just if they've been home a lot by themselves, especially children who are younger. Um, I mean, with adolescents, you know, they are able to, and you know, teenagers, they're able to spend more time depending on the child 
on their own. Mm -hmm. So that's just something to keep in mind if they say, oh, well, no one's ever home and they don't Mm -hmm. ever take care of me. Right. Um, So those are just a few signs of neglect. Um, Some other things that I'll just throw in there are just if the house is incredible, like very dirty, not Mm -hmm. messy, but really dirty. Like you notice there's um, pests or food or, or, you know, laying around or things that, you know, doesn't seem quite to be a what we would think of as a normal level of everybody has different levels of what's right. clean to them. Yes. Um, but if it's, you know, if there's pests or ants or any sort of rodent or roach issue that has not been attended to or acknowledged, um, that is not necessarily considered to be a safe or um, appropriate living situation for children and can be considered um, neglect. So, okay. So what qualifies as abuse or neglect, which those signs kind of cleared that up. But for mm-hmm. example, um, is spanking a child abuse? Um, that is an excellent question. So um, there's a lot of heated debate on spanking in our mm-hmm. um, culture and in nanny land and in parent land. There are some very pro spanking and there are some very, very anti spanking. Um, I so technically, um, spanking in and of itself is not um, officially on the books as considered abuse. Okay. Um, however, um, that is it's hard. It's it's a very hard thing to say because um, there's a there's a clear difference between a spanking and a beating. The the real indicator is does it leave a lasting mark on the child? Okay. Um, and you know, some people would debate, oh, well, there's an emotional aspect to spanking. And and of course there is, there's no denying that. Um, but I, I will say that if you call, um, CPS and you report spanking, um, they may not be as inclined to investigate it as thoroughly as they might. Um, another thing, if a child's being beaten with a belt or an object, Mm. That is that is considered at least in the state of Maryland that is abuse. Okay, um, which and I'm in, I'm in Maryland, so if you, if you have a child who says, "Oh, my mom or dad hits me with a belt," um, that is considered to be um, abuse, and if it leaves a mark that is visible um, and lasting, so it's okay. And I, and I can give you and I can give you the um, sorry, I have it pulled up in front of me. So yeah. um, there is a federal definition for abuse and neglect. Um, so I can sort of give you that, which is of course going to be somewhat vague as all federal (laughs) laws are, but okay. so, um, federal law defines child abuse and neglect as at a minimum, any recent act or failure to act on the part of a parent or caretaker, um, which can result in, which results in death, serious physical or emotional harm, sexual abuse or exploitations or an act or failure to act, which presents an imminent risk of serious harm. Okay. So that is directly from childwelfare.gov. Great. <laughs> so that is the federal mandate. Um, again, I know that's vague. And to say whether spanking is or is not abuse, um, there's so many cultural um, and, you know, societal ideas about spanking. Mm-hmm. So keep that in mind. It's important to be, um, we talk a lot about in social work being culturally competent. Mm-hmm. Um, so in some cultures, spanking is 
the method of discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, so being aware of sort of the family that you work for and their culture and their, um, their customs and traditions is something to keep in mind, even if it's not something that you might agree with. Um, if it's not leaving a lasting mark on the child and it's not being done to excess mm-hmm. or with a clo- or, you know, it's not being, they're not being punched. I mean, like if, if, if there's a closed fist involved, that's a whole different thing. But if it's spanking in the traditional sense of, you know, hand to bottom right. quickly, um, that leaves a lot of room. Some people, everybody will have their own opinions. Um, in my opinion, it's not necessarily abuse, but, um, I'm definitely not a spanking advocate. So right. that's all. I'll, right. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> that's, I think, an excellent place to leave it. Um, sure. What about um, if a nanny suspects abuse or neglect, uh, what are some steps that they can take to help to help the child to be an advocate sure. for the child? Okay, so this is when we can talk about like, yay, there are things that we can empower each other to do. So we've talked about some really heavy things and some things that are hard and kind of awful. Um, But this is what you can do about it because there's this is the main thing. We can do something about it. This is our, you know, this is our profession. This is what we all hopefully are are loving our life doing. Um, So if our part of that is keeping kids safe. um, And so there are things that we can do Mm -hmm. um, to do that. So one Um, the first thing that I would say to do is it's not necessarily, um, it's not our job to investigate. So, okay. I mean, ask, asking further. So I'll, I'll say, I'll clear that up. Um, so it is okay to ask certain questions to clarify, but we have child welfare and child protective services for a reason. Um, everybody has opinions on how that works in their state. Every system is different. Um, but that is their job. So one thing that you can do is to, um, to look into the reporting laws for your state because there is such thing as mandated reporting, which means if you are um, certain professions such as social workers like myself or therapists or doctors, teachers, school professionals, those are widely considered to be mandated reporters. Yeah. Uh, meaning if they suspect um, abuse or neglect, they are required to report it. And if they do not, if they suspect it and they don't report it, there can actually be legal recourse um, as to that. Um, however, nannies fall into a sort of a different category, um, because we're not in the center or a private, you know, we're working in private settings in people's Mm -hmm. homes. Um, so I would highly, highly recommend, um, checking the mandated reportings for your state. And you can look at those on childwelfare.gov. They have all the statutes on there, um, which is great. And they also will have, um, the number for the, um, children and family services or child protective services, um, for your area. So if you feel like you are seeing some of these signs in your nanny kids, um, and you're really getting concerned, um, the first thing that I would say is, um, first, actually the first thing that I say is document as much as possible. Yes. And we talked document, about that. Document, document, document. Um, we talked about that in the last episode, um, about, yeah tough discussions with parents. Mm -hmm. So this one segues nicely into that because the more you can document and the more detail and doing it right after you notice it. Yes, absolutely. So documentation is your best friend, whether that's making a note of it um, on a piece of paper that you keep to yourself, whether it's Mm -hmm. um, if you see a mark and you take a picture 
Um, those are going to, you know, I mean, anything that you can do to document what you're seeing um, is going to be key, um, especially if they are found um, to be in an abusive situation that will help more than you can know, because like I said, it's not necessarily our job to investigate, but we can help those whose job it is. Yes. So if we document those things. Um, that is going to be what I would say first document as much as possible. Um, be vigilant, keep an eye on it, keep an eye on for any of these changes, um, any major change in behavior um, that doesn't have like a clear explanation. Mm-hmm. Um, also, and then just reporting. Um, that would be my main suggestion. Um, right. So reporting to your um, local children protective services, if you feel the child is in immediate danger, um, absolutely call the police. Um, right. Call, call 911. Um, you know, do whatever you have to do if the child you feel is in immediate danger to keep that child safe. Yes. Um, so I would definitely say I don't, there is no... Since every state has different um, child welfare laws and uh, statutes, I can't give you like a main number to call. Right. But there are resources out there such as childwelfare.gov and childhelp.org, um, which will give you a lot more information than I can give because I am not, I don't work for the child welfare system. I know people that do, but I do not personally. Um, but I would say without a doubt, document and report. Um, are the two key things that I would say to do. And if you feel that you're, you have reported and you have documented and those things are not working for you, um, I would can just continue to do something. Just don't, don't rest um, until they've answered your call because a lot okay. of times child, child welfare offices um, can get very overwhelmed. Actually spring is a very big time of year for um child protective services reports um, okay. because especially kids leaving school teachers are concerned um, about things that they have seen and they feel like they want to follow up on it so they tend to um, at times get overwhelmed by the amount of calls that they're getting and reports that they're getting mm-hmm. um, so don't give up <laughs> if you haven't heard yeah. anything or you haven't seen any results or you're feeling very concerned um, follow up with them they will often, I mean, the more we work together as a team with child mm-hmm. welfare, the better success they will have at solving the problems. Because what happens often is that someone will call once and they'll say, oh, child welfare never did anything about it. Well, right. child welfare is, child welfare has, you know, on the one hand, they'll have one extreme of abuse. And then on the other hand, they'll have something that seems so horrific that you could not possibly imagine. So they're trying to prioritize as best they can terrible situations. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's absolutely their job. And I'm not making excuses for, you know, unhandled CPS reports. Um, But I will say that if you feel that your requests or your um, information has not gone on to the right person, um, keep calling, ask for a supervisor, ask for someone's email. Email is often really great for people, uh, in social work because we get, we are attached to our emails. Uh-huh. Um, so they might, and not then there's a paper trail and then it's doc. Yes. And yeah. then it's paper trail, document it. And also document when you call. Okay. Um, Good to know. because so document when you've made the report, um, you man, it's different. So for in social work for me, I have to call and also make a written 
report that I would okay. submit to child welfare. Um, for nannies, it's and other mandated reporters, it's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, so just make sure to again check those um, reporting um, statutes in your state, see sort of what they expect, but always call if you have sort of that gut feeling or you see any of those signs um, and keep calling if you haven't gotten the response that you think is appropriate. That's really, really great advice, um, especially about the keep calling. Cause yeah, it, it is, they are dealing with a lot. So mm-hmm. they are dealing this with is a, a time <laughs> to be a squeaky wheel. Um, yes. All, yes, absolutely. Be the squeakiest wheel on the, on the bike. <laughs> um, yeah. There is no, there is no better time to be a squeaky wheel than when you uh, are feeling that feeling that maybe this kid's not in a safe situation because um, oftentimes we don't, like I said before, sometimes people don't want to get involved in other people's business or you think, oh, it's not necessarily my child or my kid. Um, but uh, the phrase, it takes a village, really applies here. <laughs> so to keep kids safe, it takes a village. Um it's everyone's job to make sure that stuff like this doesn't keep happening. So that's what I would say. Um, And so I think what I heard you saying in that is that nannies are not under technically legal obligation to report. We are not considered Um, mandated reporters. um, Not necessarily. So what I was saying, so sometimes we are, and sometimes we aren't. Okay. This is when it, this is when it comes into looking at your specific state and seeing what their statutes are. Okay. Um, because, but even if you are not, if you look at your mandated reporting laws for your state and there's nothing on there that says, because often most childcare workers that will say, like if you work in a a daycare center or Mm -hmm. preschool, those people are basically almost always considered a mandated reporter. Um, but if they, if you don't see anything there specifically on nannying or you see that they say that if a private employee is not a mandated reporter, um, just because you're not a mandated reporter doesn't mean you should report right. <laughs> um, for sure. Because it's um, mandated reporter just means you are ob- ob- obligated to, to do so. Yeah. You can, can potentially actually um, have legal recourse if, you know, you see it and it is shown up later and you didn't report it. Um, and also those are just the people that they say have to do it. So just because you don't okay. have to, doesn't mean you shouldn't. But exactly. Again, I was just, again. yeah. Wondering yeah. about the legal repercussions of not, which sure. we're saying just go ahead and do it. Cause yeah, if just, you feel like when, you're- when in doubt, make a report, um, <laughs> yeah. cover yourself, make sure that, um, you know, you can also oftentimes report anonymously. Very few states will ask you to, you know, give out a lot of information about yourself when oh, you're that's, asking. That's very good to know. Yes. Um, you can, um, uh, there are some states that will, and they'll ask you for some contact information to get back to you. But if you wish to file the report anonymously, please make that known to them. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the time, they don't necessarily need to know your name and your life story to take a report from you. Right. <laughs> they will take the report from you. Um, you know, they'll ask, they'll ask for the information that they are um, supposed to ask for and allowed to ask for from you. But um, yeah, so sometimes nannies are man- mandated reporters and sometimes okay. we are not. So just keep Good that in know. mind. Um, if you are somewhat like your gut feeling is unsure and mm-hmm. you've seen maybe like one sign but not necessarily like it's not <clears throat> super obvious. 
is mm-hmm. there something to be done about like going and talking to a teacher of one of your nanny kids mm-hmm. and asking for their opinion about it? Um, what I will say to that is that, um, you know, sometimes these signs don't show up in obvious ways and it can feel very uncertain. So communicating with the people that are involved in your nanny kid's life is always a good thing. Um, and keeping in tune and just saying like, oh, hi, you know, if you're, if you're close with your nanny kid's teacher and you want to, you know, just check in with them and, and let them know, because they might have seen it if they're in school, you know, from 8.30 to 3.30. Right. Um, teacher may have seen it more than you have. But it, mm-hmm. so communicating that with each other in a way that is um, conscious of your nanny kid's um, privacy mm-hmm. and um, trying to be not so overt about it, that can be a good, definitely a good way to um, check in with the other people that are involved in your nanny kid's life. If they have a, a, a coach that they're really close to, say they mm-hmm. play a sport mm-hmm. or, um, you know, anybody who, you know, might see these things more often. Um, it's definitely a good idea to check in with them just on a regular basis anyways, right. just for the sake of safety. Um, but just if you do feel like you've seen something that you're like, Oh, maybe that's, that might be something that I should, should look into more. Um, keeping other people, again, it takes a village. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so keeping other people, um, don't alarm anyone. Don't make them right. panic. Right. <laughs> don't say, <laughs> try not to, um, if you're not sure or you're, you know, your gut's really uncertain, um, just try to really keep an eye on it. And again, document, mm-hmm. um, because an occurrence of abuse can, does not have to happen regularly for it to be abuse. Right. Um, so, and it, it, there's not a whole lot of statutes of limitations on abuse. So, uh, reporting it, even if it happened a year ago, um, or, you know, you, it happened six months ago, um, just make sure to document those things and be aware of what's going on in their lives. Great. Um, and so some, you've mentioned some resources, childwellfare.gov and childhelp.org, which I will list on Facebook and on Chronicles of Nania's website, uh, as an episode resource on the episode resource page, it will be there for you guys. But are there other ones that are helpful? Um, there are, there are fortunately a lot of great resources. Um, There are state-specific resources. There are trainings that you can take online. A quick Google search um, on, you know, trainings on abuse and neglect will provide lots of great results for you. Um, Specifically, um, let me pull this up really quickly because I have it on my computer. Um, But so I, um, there are some specific trainings that you can do online. Um, Some you have to pay for, some are free. Often look through the school system like through your public okay. school system, they will provide um, trainings for staff and caregivers and people involved um, with children who um, would possibly like the training. So if you have any questions for them, they are a great resource because they are teachers are mandated reporters and they have to take regular um, seminars and trainings on um, abuse and neglect. So um, if you have any questions like that or you think that there might be a free training out there and you're like, I'm not, not sure um, – Definitely contact the the public school system and see if they have one that you could be able to take. Um, I know that I took one through um, Montgomery County 
public schools in Maryland. Um, okay. They offered a training since I go into schools um, to see a lot of my my uh, clients that I do therapy with. So mm-hmm. um, you and that was free. I took it for free. Um, so that's great. Yeah. Yeah. So that is definitely one. And um, so a couple links. Um, child welfare, of course, like we said, um, there's if you want to take a training and you don't live in the state of Maryland, you can still take the Montgomery County Schools um, training. Oh, awesome. Um, and I can um, I can send you the link to that since it's kind of a long link. Yeah, um, great. So I can send you that link afterwards, but you can take that. Um, you just would select that you're a contractor with the state and not okay. a teacher um, or an employee. And I can give you more specifics as to that on the end. But definitely awesome. um, what I would say, there are lots of resources out there. So if you're feeling lost or confused or scared or panicked, um, those feelings are absolutely justified. But try not to let them overwhelm you um, because there are definitely ways out there to um, keep yourself informed and to regularly take trainings um, to be aware of these signs. So I would, the, the ones that we've stated that I've stated are definitely like the main ones that I would say if to give yourself an overview, unless you want something really specific and social worky, um, then you can mm-hmm. get more, more into it. But, um, those in general will give you a really great, um, foundation of knowledge to, to carry in your, in your back pocket of, nanny skills. Right. So. And put you in touch with people who do know so much exactly. more about it. Yes. And they, yeah. And, and also contact your, um, your, your local, um, child welfare office. Right. See if they ha- offer any training, see if they offer any resources, they are going to love you. They <laughs> are going to want to give you all the trainings because if, if they have them for free, um, they are swamped. So sometimes, um, They'll ask to give you a call back, but don't call their, don't call the reporting line for this. Just call the office or you can see if they have any, um, information or education materials because they are a great resource and often, um, overlooked and just thought of as, oh, I just have to call those are the people that I call if something's wrong. Um, but their, their goal is to prevent, um, abuse and neglect in general. So education resources are something that they will be happy to provide if you would like them. Wonderful. Um, what about if you suspect abuse or neglect for kids that are not yours, not your nanny kids? None of mm. these children are, are right. actual biological or legal Makes children. Sense. But yes. <laughs> so like if you go over to a play date um, or mm-hmm. have a kid over for a play date and you suspect abuse, what are some things you can do there? Um, what are some things you can do there? So that's, that's an area that it gets a bit trickier since mm-hmm. you don't spend consistent time with the child. Um, however, this is a kid that you have regular play dates with, or you see often in a class and you see the, how they interact with their parent or caregiver, and you're really not feeling good about it. Um, depend, depending on the relationship you have with the parent or caregiver, um, if you have a great relationship and you feel very close with that parent, um, you can try to find a way to possibly bring it up with them in a subtle way. Like, Hey, I've mm-hmm. noticed your kid might, and it may not even be them. It may not be the parent who is the abuser. That's right. That's also really important. I want to throw that out there. It's yes. it may not be the parent who is, who is abusing um, the child. There may be another adult or person in their life. And oftentimes um, parents or caregivers, um, it's not always see, it's not always the easiest thing for us to see, Um, so they may not have noticed it, but if you have, um, just bringing it up to them, if, if this is all dependent on your relationship with the, with the child, if it's a, if it's a child, say 
it's a child and you're at a, a playground and you don't know this child at all, but you see this child and they are exhibiting some signs of, um, let's say neglect, like they're unkempt, they're really dirty, they um, don't seem to have a parent around them, they're wandering around. Um, reaching out to the child and just sort of being, offering, you know, that the Mary Poppins-esque hand <laughs> of, of being there and just, um, but if it's a, a more random occurrence, um, it's hard to report, but definitely reportable. Um, so right. I would still recommend documenting and reporting, but if it's a random child and you don't know their name and they just see them at the playground or, you know, um, the pool or wherever, wherever you're seeing this child, who's not necessarily yours. Um, but it, it all depends on how close you are with the child who's not yours. Um, okay. because CPS, so if, if it's, if it's a really good friend of your nanny kids and you see them often and you feel like you know them pretty well, um, and you can give some information on them. Um, that's much more reportable than a child that you might see um, in a grocery store, in a grocery store or that you don't know. Um, Those things are reportable. um, However, it gets increasingly difficult to do something about it when you don't have a lot of background information or, or names or things like that. So, um, but if you feel that you see a situation and you feel that it is um, the child is clearly, unsafe, like you feel like there's imminent and immediate danger to that child in that situation. Um, and you're at a playground and you see a a parent or a caregiver who is physically or, um, you know, physically abusing or verbally, you know, just berating or abusing a child, um, call the police. (laughs) Right. Um, that is, it is not our job and to step into any sort of domestic situation. Um, it's actually domestic, uh, Disputes are one of the most dangerous types of things to get involved in as Mm. an individual. They can escalate incredibly quickly. So I highly recommend not to go up to the parent and try to intervene yourself um, unless you know the parent and you feel 100% comfortable. But even then, that can get tricky quickly. So if you feel that um, you're out in public and you see a a clear indication of physical abuse to a child, um, I would say without a doubt, call the police. Yes. Um, and keep so. in mind that your <clears throat> obligation is to your own nanny kids. So especially if you are at a park with your nanny kids, don't get involved mm-hmm. because like Absolutely. The oxygen mask yeah. on a plane. It, but yeah, and, and it can escalate kids on first. Yeah. No, you don't want to get overly involved or alarm your nanny kids. And it's oftentimes if you see a child who's in that situation, that's a traumatic situation for them to be in, especially in public. Right. Um, that just compounds. So you want to try to be as helpful as possible, but also keep yourself and your nanny kids and keep that child as safe as possible. You intervening is possibly not a safe choice for that child. So professionals are there to help you call the police. If you feel that that child is in immediate danger, um, or, uh, you think that they're going to go home and something, you know, might happen at home. So I would, um, that's the advice that I'd give if it was a uh, kid that's not yours. (laughs) So great. Uh, something that you said of it doesn't necessarily need to be the parent uh, mm-hmm. made a ding go off in my head. Of sure. What about child on child abuse? Child on child abuse. Um, so, could like, you elaborate siblings. what you mean about that? Oh, so, siblings. Yeah. Okay. Like if an older brother or mm-hmm. sister, if you suspect that they are the ones abusing it- a younger sibling or yeah. vice versa, but probably... The older it's, one. It's, it, 
it, it gets um yeah probably it's mostly usually a, a an older over younger but it, that doesn't mean that it can't happen the other way mm-hmm. um so i would definitely um it's still reportable okay. um it's still reportable um in that case you i for me personally i operate on a open and honest basis with the people that i work with and yes. my um therapeutic setting and also with um the na- uh, families that I nanny for. So if you are really concerned and you have a concern and you voice it to your mom boss or your dad boss, um, I would say first take it to them since it's their child. Yes. Um, and you're really concerned cause that's would be your first line of defense. But if, again, if you are really concerned and it's not being dealt with in a way that you think is, um, appropriate and you think that there's real danger there, you can report and you can also again, report anonymously, but I would definitely address this with a parent, uh, especially if it's your nanny family that you're seeing this with. Um, right. Try to bring it up with the parent first, um, because then you have done your due diligence of informing the parent, and then they can deal with their child, um, you know, to help rectify the situation as best they possibly can. But you can still report it if it's a, an older brother or sister or cousin, or if it's an aunt or an uncle or an, you know, any adult or caregiver or person that is, um, harming a child in any of the ways that, um, we've talked about, um, absolutely reported to, uh, child welfare or child protective services. Wonderful. Um, what about, so you suspect abuse, you have been documenting, Uh, Mm -hmm. maybe you've already reported it. What are some things that you can do day to day to help the, your nanny kids cope like emotionally with it? Mm -hmm. Um, that's a really great question. And this actually falls more into my field of expertise since I'm working more on like the therapeutic side. Um, so, um, the main thing when working with children who have gone through, um, abuse and neglect, or if you are suspecting that there is an abusive or neglectful type situation going on is to, um, support, support, support them, be there for them, listen to them, um, you know, help them learn what healthy boundaries are for themselves. Um, help them by, yes. Um, so help them, um, advocate for themselves and advocate for them. Um, that's incredibly important. Um, also, uh, you don't have to talk about it all the time. Try to um, increase normalcy as much as possible mm-hmm. um, to go because often, I mean, children who are um, with a history of trauma, um, talking about the trauma over and over and over again often can re-traumatize them. Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't always have to talk about it or bring it up and try to, you know, look at the cues from your nanny kids and be in tune with them. But, um, talk about what they want to talk about. And if they want to play my little ponies or, you know, they want to play about bubble guppies or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the show. <laughs> bubble guppy. I was like, that's a, I, I, I'm part-time nanny now. So I know my main things are like Daniel Tiger is like in the back of my head. I'm like odd squad and bubble guppies. Are uh-huh. on top of the list. So, yeah. um, um, if they want to do that and, but you know, this, you know, terrible thing has happened to them or something like that. Um, play bubble guppies with them or odd squad or Daniel Tiger and, and, and help them, um, sort of, get back into their normal swing of life and they will talk to you um at their own pace don't ignore it don't right. act like it don't don't act like it never happened or try to keep it a secret 
um, be open and available for them and let them know that you are a safe person um, to talk to whenever they are ready. Wonderful. I also um, know that sometimes drawing. Yes, art is great. Yeah, it can be really helpful. Uh, Just, you know, sitting down and drawing with them. And it can also give you a lot of clues about their internal life Mm -hmm. um, without them having to explicitly say it. Yes. um, Yeah, just art art is a great tool. There's lots of art therapy resources out there. you can actually get certified in art therapy and, and all these other things and, and play and play therapy, playing. Like if they want to play house, um, mm-hmm. how they play house will sort of show you a lot of how they think about how a family acts and what they do. So, um, you know, not all, I mean, not everybody's a licensed therapist, so I'm not saying right. to do necessarily therapy with them, but um, letting them have some sort of emotional outlet or expression like art or if they enjoy music or dance or whatever, or whatever their outlet is um, for them to express themselves, just make sure that you're available to them to express that. Uh, give, give them options. Um, you know, if they want to color a picture and they want to scribble as hard as they possibly can with red crayon, um, that can be an indicator of something going on, but it also can be an outlet for them to get some of these things a- away from themselves without having to f- actually say the words to you. For sure. Yes. And I think that's so important of, mm-hmm. of just being available and, um, and mm-hmm. not shutting down anything. Um, and also letting them know the uh, Katie Leineke has been a frequent guest and she always talks about how with her nanny kids, she says it's okay to say no when mm-hmm. it's okay to say no. And just yes, being sure to, to say that like it's okay it's okay to say that you don't want to go upstairs and get me something right now that's okay Mm -hmm. yeah just just I mean and oftentimes if if you're helping them cope with something like this um there are so many things that they cannot actually express to you through language um uh, trauma has a huge impact on the the brain and how language forms um especially in younger children and even in older children so um, sometimes the acting out, if they say, no, I don't want to do something for you, um, try to explore that with them before, um, necessarily jumping the gun, especially if you know that your nanny kid has a, a history of, um, any sort of trauma like abuse or neglect. But, um, but if you want to help them explore what their boundaries are and help them, um, to learn what appropriate boundaries are for themselves with other children and adults, and in their life, um, that is immensely helpful, letting them know that they have the power to say no to things. Um, they have the power over their body. They have control over certain things in their life. Um, that is a really great way of helping to cope, um, with abuse or neglect or trauma. Yes. And also just to say it, I think most of our, if not all of our listeners know this, but those are also just great nanny practices in general. Yay. Exactly. (laughs) So just keep that in mind that all Mm -hmm. of that should, should already probably be part of your nanny practice. Um, But especially if, if this is going on, then being more focused on providing that safe space um, is even more important. Um, What about if the parents are divorced and you Mm -hmm. suspect only one of them is abusing or neglecting the child? Um, I I know that this is probably 
based on yeah. your relationship with the each of the yes. parents and things like that. But but what mm-hmm. steps do you recommend taking in that case? In that case, and I will answer this as best as possible because, yeah. I, again, I am not a child welfare worker. I don't right. work for DCS. Um, but from my um, understanding and experience, um, it is really dependent on what the custody agreement is between the parents. Mm. If they share custody um, of their kids um, and you feel like one parent is being um, abusive and you have a relationship with the other parent and you know that there is a custody agreement um, – Again, like you said, it is dependent on your relationship. If you feel comfortable talking with mom or dad, whoever, um, you know, whichever parent you don't see as much, say you, for I'll, I'll just provide an example scenario. Say you work with um, kids and they are most of the time under mom's care, but they occasionally go to dad's house. And when they go to dad's house, they often come back with unexplained injuries or um, weird stories or, you know, some of the signs that we mm-hmm. talked about. Or if you go to to dad's house to pick them up and you see something, um, I would say that it would be appropriate to address it with mom since she would be their main caregiver. Mm -hmm. Um, and also to, to, um, encourage her to report it. But if you feel that the parents, um, the custody agreement, you don't ever see dad, you don't know dad, um, or you don't know mom or, you know, you don't see mom. Um, but you do see the signs. Um, that might be something that I would, Share with share your concerns with the other parent in a way that's not alarming, um, but also right. document and report again, um, because divorce is such a tricky, um, emotionally charged situation that there is all sorts of custody issues that can happen with divorce. So be really aware um, if you know the custody situation um, between divorced parents, that is really helpful. Um, but try not to alarm um a divorced parent about the other parent's actions um, because that can have a lot of repercussions um, later on, not towards you, but just towards the the family situation. Um, If there's a, you know, contentious custody battle going on or something like that, and they're looking to use something um, and you say something, it can can get really messy really quickly. So I would say um, if you feel that you can share that in a way with um, the parent that you work with mainly, in a way that's not super alarming and can encourage conversation and just awareness, then I say go for it. If not, I would say to document and report um, to the appropriate authorities and they will do their best to get back to mom and dad individually and handle that situation. Wonderful. Um, Especially in divorce. That's great. Um, And then that was pretty much all of my questions. Um, Okay. My my final question is if we already talked about places you can go, even just your local welfare mm-hmm. office, not like if if abuse and neglect are not on your radar at all, um, but you heard this episode and you just want to know more, uh, getting information, getting those training uh, sessions, the online things mm-hmm. uh, is all wonderful. I think that's part of making yourself the best nanny you can be. Um, even if, you know, from the vast majority of us, hopefully we will never see these things. Most of the time, I I mean, seeing, seeing signs of abuse and neglect and seeing these things, it feels very scary. And oftentimes we're like, Oh, that, that wouldn't happen in in the family that I work for. That doesn't happen around me or I'm not aware, but just as being caregivers, it's, it's our responsibility and to keep kids safe and, um, 
to do this, even if it's not a pleasant or easy conversation or thought to have, um, having these sort of in your bag of tricks, for lack of a better phrase, um, mm-hmm. can be um, incredibly useful to you down the road because you never know when you might need it or when a parent might have a question for you. Um, just try to be um, as informed as possible because the information can't hurt. What can only hurt is not doing anything with the information if you have it. Yes, so. yes. And uh, <laughs> being informed about it before something happens yes. where you can process it in a calm not panicked state. Yes. Is and ask questions about it too. Right. Yes. Um, um, also, if someone wanted to, to donate to uh, like childhelp.org. Yes. Um, I think that that one would be a really good one to donate yeah. to. Um, but are there other uh, There are places? lots of other... <laughs> Sorry, I've just interrupted no, you okay. again. Um, <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, I'm so excited about this. Um, yeah. Yes, there are so many um, different organizations to to help keep kids safe. Um, childhelp.org is great. Um, you can look up local um, agencies or organizations in your community. Um, since I know that we have that you have such a wide array of listeners all yeah. over the, all over the place, um, which I think is awesome. That um, I would highly encourage you if you want to donate to something big and sort of almost like globally scale child help is great. Um, if you want to do something more local, um, definitely research some options in your area. There are lots of agencies who could use, um, the help or volunteer hours. Um, there's lots of mentoring programs. Big brother, big sister is great. Mm -hmm. Um, there's, there's a wealth of things to give your money and your time to, um, I highly encourage if this is something that you feel passionate about or you want to help make a change or a difference um, to just sort of seek out those resources in your community. The Internet is a great tool. Um, and if you have questions, um, Child Help is a great start. If you want to look at childhelp.org, they will talk about other organizations and things on there as well. So you can look there first if you're like, I don't know where to help, but I want to help. That's a great start. And then you can sort of branch off from there. Right. And... Uh, I I don't think I need to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, we were specifically talking about the United States of America for this entire yes. podcast. Yes, we are. I, specifically. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So I do. I know that I have listeners in other countries and that's wonderful. Oh, wow. Um for those other countries, I'm super sorry. I have no idea about the laws in your country. Yeah, so. there it's, it's, yeah. it's, it, Keeping kids safe is universally um, thought of as a great thing. However, the laws and regulations that I'm talking about are um, specifically to the United States of America. Um, and uh, the signs of abuse can translate um, throughout the, possibly throughout the, you know, the world. Um, mm-hmm. However, just be in tune with cultural norms and things wherever you are. Um, there are resources in, in most places. I'd be very surprised if other countries didn't have similar type resources or agencies to handle things. So if you have questions and you're like, wow, that podcast really got me thinking, but it doesn't have any information about you know my specific country or location, um, you know, this is a great jumping off point to do some of your own research to look into your own area. Yes. Wonderful. Well, that was a lot. 
Uh, it was a lot. <laughs> of, a lot of really great information, and I'm so glad yeah. that we had a chance to talk it through because I, I do know as I look on some of the nanny groups and things like that, that as things these things come up, it is very scary and mm-hmm. um, addressing it in a professional way is is important and so yeah i I wanted to talk it through and and give some ideas of resources uh please know that neither emma nor i work for child welfare uh and so obviously back up everything that we've said with your own research and make your own choices um Mm -hmm. but this is a good jumping off point and there's a lot of mm-hmm. great resources here, which yeah. you can learn more about. And I will provide all of these links on chronicles of Uh I will also post a link to that on Facebook, which you can find at chronicles of Nania Twitter, also chronicles of Nania and uh instagram though links are harder there so that might not be <laughs> right. the best uh social media for this particular episode but chronicles sure. of com will awesome. will get you these resources uh it's under episode resources so Great. they will all be there for you That's um awesome. And then oh. we end every episode with a fun story or quote um, from our <laughs> nanny kids. And Emma has brought one. Oh, so I love nannying and it is a wonderful job. And the hilariousness <laughs> that ensues is oftentimes Bill Cosby can't compete with this kind of darndest things kids say. <laughs> but, you know, I'm just, yeah. Um, so we, we got all these really great stories. Um, so the other day, um, my nanny kid, who I will call the shrub because that is her nickname. She is three now. I started with her when she was eight months. Um, we were sitting at the table, probably having snack because I feel like 99% of the time I spent having snacks um, mm-hmm. after school. <laughs> so <laughs> she's, she's eating her gold bunnies or cheese stick or gummies or whatever she's eating at the time. And she looks at me and she said, Miss Emma, you want to see how big I is? And I said, What? Uh, because clearly I can see how big she is. She is sitting there with me. Um, she said, and I said, well, I can see how big you are, Shrubby. I, 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 I can see that. She says, no, no, no. You want to see how big I is? And I was like, uh, I'm, at this point, I'm like, what is she going to show me? I don't know yeah. what this means. You're like, okay. Um, I'm like, okay. I'm like, all right. Um, so I was like, sure, Shrubby. I will see how big you are. And she pushes herself back from the table and she walks over around the table because I'm sitting on the other side. And she stands in front of me very matter-of-factly and stands up very straight and she puts her hands on her hips and she says, see, this is how big I is. (laughs) 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 And And it was so cute. And I was like, man... Kids are great. I mean, they really it was, are. It was kids are awesome. So it was awesome. So as as heavy as this post was, um, we have awesome stories and awesome kids that we work with. Um, and just know that, like, I'll I'll say this to to end on for for my part. Um, yeah, there are so many things out there to do about this, and you guys are wonderful, powerful, magical unicorn human beings who have all the great tricks um, and all the great resources to make kids' lives amazing. So um, even though this stuff is heavy and hard to talk about, it is something that we can all do together. And I think that um, having the information is just going to make every single one of us even better nannies um, and 
help kids grow into ginormously huge, look how big I is, people. Um, <laughs> that so. was beautifully said. I love that. Ugh. Well, thank you so much, Emma, for this. This was really, really informative. And I, I feel encouraged and, and stronger as a nanny for having talked to you. So I really appreciate oh, it. Thank you so much. That's so nice. I feel I'm so glad to have been a part of this um and to be on your show I was really excited about it I'm so happy (laughs) yay awesome well thank you Emma and thank you all for listening and we'll see you next week the Chronicles of Nannia is produced by Martha Reddick and Logan Nielsen artwork and logo by Noni Amadon theme music by Brad Kemp find him at secondbedroomstudio.com follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Chronicles of Nannia and on Twitter at Nannia Podcast To contact us, email chroniclesofnania at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.